Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. All right, welcome to another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown. My name is Kate. I'm Jennifer. I'm Derek. And, and I'm John. Oh, sorry, Whoa. John. Wow. I just cut him off. off. Wow. I know, it's because you were doing the sound producing and stuff, so I get like, yeah. I panicked. Yeah, it's fine. It's all Jason's right. gone, so obviously I have to make one mistake. Otherwise, <laughs> it's like, oh, Kate should always lead. It's never Pastor Jason. I'm like, <laughs> my evil plan. Just kidding. Uh, so Pastor Derek just returned from vacation and he gets to run right into writing a message and giving the sermon this week. How was your vacation? Oh, it was pretty awesome. Like uh, I was talking to Jennifer about it. Like it was one of those where when I finally got away, like I didn't need it. Like it wasn't a vacation where it's like, oh my gosh, I need this. It was just a, no, it was just good. And so like coming back has been pretty easy. So I've never done a vacation like that. Normally it's like, I need this so bad. And then I need another week to recover from that. So, but this hasn't been that. So it's good. I feel like you always need a day off before you go on vacation. And you always need the day off after you get back from vacation. You literally need vacation from your vacation. Yeah. Just to be a human being again. Yeah. Get home. Get settled. And that's why I didn't do that. That's why I'm always like, if people are, people ask me, what's your ideal vacation? I say, just, uh. Hanging out at home, reading a book. <laughs> so like every night? Yeah. That's punishment. That's right. <laughs> you have good rhythms of rest, There John. you go. Well, Ooh, rhythm. Thank you. Yep. Talking about rhythms. Throwing okay. the rhythm word out. Mm-hmm. So you lead us right into this is how I fight repentance. And you took us through kind of a common theme that came out of the this is how I fight series that wasn't planned. Like, where, how did you pick this text to preach from? Yeah, so, uh, and I kind of mentioned it in my sermon, but, uh, and I think everyone at this group actually probably practices something very similar where, you know, I've added a rhythm in my life where I go run for two miles while, which, while listening to worship music. And then I, I walk another two and I listen to the Bible being read to me using the, uh, the Bible Project 365 Days app. Uh, and it's been really rewarding. And just on one of the walks, it was by a cornfield and I just was walking and all of a sudden we get to the part where, uh, God says to David, like, you know, I gave you everything, everything you could have ever wanted and more. And I would have given you even more had, had you asked her, I would have given it to you, but you didn't, you despised me. You, you, you took anyway. And like, that just hit me home, even though, you know, I don't, I don't all, I don't understand exactly what David did. Like, I don't know much about adultery or, you know, even murder, but man, there's so many of my own sins that I could plug into this where I'm like, yeah, God, it feels like you are speaking to me, but it's not just out of like in trouble. Like, no, I hear your love in there. I hear your parent, like your, the words of a father. Like I hear, uh, you wanted to give me more. Like, I don't know. I just, I hear so much in that, but also I feel convicted on my sins. It's kind of like disappointed dad voice. Like, 
I would have given you everything. Where it's like, oh, that's so much worse than if you would have been like, what's wrong with you? It's like, no, I know what's wrong with you. Your sin nature. You know, that's, that's, it's worse to have the disappointment. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Uh, About your spiritual rhythms. When do you pray? Do you incorporate prayer in your walk or run? I know this is kind of an off topic, but I was thinking about that. Yeah. And so actually when I do the two to three mile walk, I actually do add prayer into that as well. Uh, Cause I don't only, cause normally I only do two or three days worth of the Bible app because I don't always run and do it every day. And so I I normally do one or two, but that's a long enough walk that I can do a lot of them. So uh, a lot of times I do add, I add prayer into that time. But I am still trying to do, even though I hated the book, uh, the Brother Lawrence book about practicing the presence of God, like where you try to include small prayers or small conversations with God all the time. Right. Like I try to do that more, but I'm not always good at it. Well, I just, you know, I also have been walking and like you said, I think everyone around this table has been doing that. But, um, one of the things that I like to do, sometimes I get so distracted when I'm praying that it's like, it's not very fruitful and it's more just annoying. And so when I've been walking, I'll be like, okay, pray on for this particular, like my family, pray for my husband until you get to that signpost up ahead. (laughs) And it might only be a minute worth of prayer, but it's, focused. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I like then that. I, and then the next, when I get to that point, then it's like, okay, pray for my son, pray for my daughter. And I just do that little section. And I'm like, you're, I like it. you're it such a filer and I'm such a piler where it's like, I have to think of it when I'm walking and doing my jogging in the morning. I have to think of it like a road trip where it's like, oh, some, oh, I love this song. And you turn it up and it's like the worship and you're like, okay, I don't really like this one as much. All right, Jesus, let's talk about this, this thing, because we obviously need to address it right now. And then I get distracted again. And then I think that's when I get the most creative too, where it's like a lot of my vision and like passion for certain things comes out while I'm like walking and praying and talking. It's literally like a road trip. Well, and I would agree with that too. Cause even like when I'm listening to scripture, if the Lord speaks to me and I need to address it in that moment, I don't actually stop the playing of scripture. I just talk to God about it. Yeah. yeah. So what that means is whatever is, whatever is following that particular section of scripture, I have no idea what it was referring to because I, I am shifting the focus or if it's like, if I do this a lot when I'm driving, like I'll think of people that I need to pray for. And so that happens a lot when I'm walking too. So again, I might be listening to worship music and worshiping, or I might be listening to scripture, but in that moment I shift away. As the spirit leads. Like, yeah. When you do like Electio Divina and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, you generally pray at the beginning where you say prayer, like Holy Spirit, guide me where you want me to go. So like, even though you might have something in your head, like I want to go this direction, who knows? God might be like, I don't need you to hear that verse today. I want you to, I want you to be praying and thinking about this. And so, well, and we think about that with like, I think there's just such a misconception about scripture reading in general. And I know this isn't the topic of our day, but you know, I think sometimes we think, oh, I have to read, you know, this amount, even a chapter, I have to read a whole chapter. No, if one verse, if God wants to speak to you through one verse, one word, stay with that thing. And it's totally okay to not continue on to the rest of the things. It's okay if you're listening to your audio Bible and you have no idea what the rest of the stuff was. If the Lord is speaking through that one thing, mm-hmm. it's worth staying with that. 
And I think the other side of it too, like vice versa, like it's okay to zoom in or zoom out. Like if you're like, I want to get through this whole chapter today. Like I want to get through the Bible in a year year. because I've never finished the entire Bible in my life and I want to, you know, like you're going to, you're going to be able to get the character of God and the the glory of Christ and the cross in a year. And you're gonna be like, wow, it's such an, it's such an obedience still. Yeah. 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 Both are good. Both are good. And one of the things why I added that, why I even added that into this message, because it really has nothing to do with the message. And it wasn't like, hey, look at me and what I'm doing. But I wanted to show people that like, I didn't even realize I needed this until I was doing it. Right. Like I looked back on my, my time reading the Bible before this and it was like, I'd fall asleep. I'd get tired. Like I wouldn't retain it. Now, if I was studying something like studying for like a message or something, I'd dive probably too deep into it. But if it was just an occasional like laid back reading, I would almost get nothing out of it. But then once I started doing this, it just opened up a different avenue. And this may not be the thing that works forever, forever, but for now, it's really nice and very helpful. Yeah. Or maybe not work for every single person. It may look differently for different people, you know, with how they approach that uh that rhythm as jennifer was yeah and um speaking of scripture jennifer you felt so affirmed <laughs> when you were you had given the message a couple of weeks ago now i guess yeah, it's time goes probably so fast. i mean probably over a month and you're like i really feel led to this samuel text i really feel led to the mirroring of saul and david and we see right away Derek, you open up and you talk about how, yeah, David also struggled with sin just as much as Saul did. And in fact, we see, even though it's in different ways, we see a lot of that mirroring. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that when, when they, when, when Samuel is, so Samuel was the prophet and like the leader of Israel before Saul and before David, and he basically led all of Israel's actions up to that point. And then the people started wanting to, they're like, we need an earthly king. We need just like all of our neighbors, just like all the other nations, we need to be a true nation. Because at this point they were just basically tribes and they wanted united under one one nation, one power. They wanted like everybody else. And Samuel warned them. Like he went to God and said, "They've, they've rejected me, God. And God replied, they didn't reject you, Samuel. They rejected me. And this plays parallel to Jesus and us rejecting him on the cross. And like, this is, this is almost the the main point of the Bible is how we continue to reject the people that God sends us. And so when you get to this, he warned them, God said, okay, give them a king. If that's what they want, give them a king, but warn them about what's going to happen. And he does. And he says, this is all these things are going to happen. And you see it play out first with Saul and we know we always like to make Saul the bad guy and David the good guy. No, he, what he was saying is all kings are going to be like this. Like you're going to see some right. failure, human failure in all kings. And it does. You see it both in Saul and then mirrored later on with David. I've heard it said like, and, and even referenced in some like some of the Bibles that I had as a kid. It was like, oh, David was a good king. Solomon was <laughs> mostly good. And then you have like, when it splits off into Israel and Judah, the two nations, Israel's like mostly bad, quote unquote. And, you know, Judah is hit or miss. But it's like, mm, well, no, I mean, David, one of the quote unquote good ones, we talked, you talked in your message on Sunday about how he struggled as much as Saul did. It was just, it came up in a different way and it, and it was just as, serious if not more so than 
what Saul was doing, you know? And that leads us into like David's struggle that you used in the text for your message begins with, you know, his lust and his pride and how he used his power to get what he wanted, that he was, you know, you touched on it in your message, that giving versus grasping, that that taking, that um, receiving versus taking. It's really um, that control. It's that control, right? Oh, man. You know, when you get it down to like the root issues, we talked about that too in the sermon read through. It's more than just the one single act of sin. A lot of it is a root issue. Now, if, if David struggled with pride and control, man, no wonder he was able to fall to that temptation. And we talked a little bit about the uh, Bathsheba story of like, I personally was like, hey, you know, isn't there, isn't this a hot topic, you know, about whether or not what really happened with Bathsheba? And we, we kind of did get into a hot topic about it. Are you going to say more? Yeah, and so <laughs> so what she's, what she's referring to is, and Jason Jason uses this language quite a bit when he talks about this story. Is uh, he says that Bathsheba was raped? So basically, David used his power to bring her in and then slept with her, and that's kind of how it's worded in our English in our English translations. That's kind of how it's worded. It doesn't say it doesn't say rape. It's not translated as that. Uh, but in essence, that is what is happening here. Like the like he used his authority and power as king to do that. Mm. Now the argument is, or why there, it's a hot button issue is he had that authority to do that. Like he yeah. was king. Anything he said goes. Now, but when you match that with what God tells us or what God commanded of David, that's where he sinned. That's where his that's where his fault was. But the but the topic of whether he you know if you use a buzzword like rape versus used his power to sleep with her. In essence, it's the same thing. He was going against right. what God right. said or ordained or deemed right. And I think like anytime we get hung up on those hot button topics where you get tripped up on zooming in too much. Right. Where it's like, are you missing the, the fact point that of it. the point of it that he sinned against God in yeah. all of these yeah. things. Well, and I think something that was interesting that I, I just thought of Maybe it was his quote unquote right or whatever. Maybe he was in, you know, he had the authority to do whatever he wanted. But after the fact, he's like trying to hide it from everybody. Right. He's trying to right. go out and, and get Bathsheba's husband like to. Yeah. 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 He's like, nobody will know. And that wasn't or his king this. authority. That was his, that was his heart for God. Like mm-hmm. I think he knew mm-hmm. what yeah. he did was did. wrong. And yeah. he was running from that yes. feeling. And we talked about this before too of even the sin of the lust leading up leading up to it yeah but you know yes you know the sexual action may have been sinful but there are other sinful behaviors other sinful heart conditions right that ultimately led him to fall to that temptation the lust the pride the control right right yeah i mean he even tried to manipulate it and brought brought Uriah in from battle to come in and sleep with his wife to hide the pregnancy so he thought it was his and then, but when he came back, he's like, no, if my, if my men don't get that, then I don't, I don't get to sleep with my wife. And he stayed at the gate. And so then David's like, well, dang, okay, well, I'm going to send him back. Yes. And so he sends him back and he tells the commander or whatever, he's like, send him to the front line up to the city wall where arrows are going to be raining down and then back the men up. So it wasn't just a, oh, put him in the front. If he lives, great. 
It was, it was a death sentence. It was a death sentence. Yeah. And like, you said this too, Jennifer, in the sermon read-through. What's the crazy thing about that? Yeah, the crazy thing is that this is kind of very similar to how Saul had David killed. And it's just like those that generational. And I know that Saul and David weren't related, but it's that influence, that, right, like that circle of people creates this generational sin. And sit that that after a certain amount of time can become a curse, like where there is like a, a like it's a, a strong a stronghold, like a a spiritual uh, thing associated with that. And so I just think it's so interesting that Saul tries to do this to David similarly, and then that's the mechanism that David uses. Like it gets in your head, and then it festers. And if you aren't if if you if there's not a repentance, or if you don't bring that to the light, or you don't address that, and, and isn't that just how trauma works? That is just how a lot of things work. I mean, that was like the points of like words, like the things that get said over you, uh, which is what I was teaching on. The things that get said over you, you might not say the exact same things out of your mouth, but they're they're rooted in similar things, and um, and trauma, I think, is that way, and victimization, I think, is is that way, and. And there's just a lot to that, unfortunately. One of the things that really, I and I, you, you alluded to it, like the parallels between Saul and uh, David, it's actually, it's insane. Like you could dive way deep into it, but it parallels actually very, very similarly. And one of the phrases that is used when Saul loses his favor from God, basically he did what he wanted instead of waiting on Samuel to come and do the blessing or whatever, he did it himself, you know, the wording that is used is you did evil in the eyes of the Lord or like, and, and like you rejected my, my word, I think is how it's worded. I think it was despised my word, right? Yeah. Despised? You despise my word. Like, and, and then when David does his the same exact yeah. words are used. It's like, dang, like, I don't know. Every time God does stuff like that in scripture, it's like, Oh, cause you know, Saul's the bad guy. He is. We've, we've made it clear that David has a heart after God and he's the good guy. Ooh, but you know, and I when think we sin, we're miss, held accountable. You can miss some of that sometimes if you don't zoom out. If you don't, like, you can zoom way in, and we do, and we encourage that, like, yeah. But also zoom out because then you'll see these things, like the parallels and things like that. Well, and I think this also goes, and I know we're going to get into it, but I think this also goes into, like, the confessional community, too, where it's right. like there is value in letting God use other people to speak to you because some of the things there might be, you know, the, what God is saying to someone else might be a similar thing to what he's saying to you. And you guys talking through that together actually brings a greater clarity and a greater awareness and depth to that meaning. And so I think there's something to be said for that too. Yeah. And we get to the part in David's story here, this particular text that you chose for your message where Nathan does confront David and he does it in the coolest way. He tells him the story. Now break down the story for us a little bit, Derek. Yeah, so it's funny because, and I say it in the sermon, but they they say that you know Nathan Nathan debute or what uh, rebukes. rebukes sorry not yeah. debukes that's Rebuke. location in Iowa yeah no he <laughs> my girls used to call it dubukes oh okay they were little it wasn't a reference to the actual city oh okay. they liked it there okay go ahead <laughs> anyway so it says that Nathan rebukes David and it's but it's weird because it's it's he doesn't at first he actually uses a parable sure. where he places. A rich man versus a poor man, and you know, basically, this poor man has one one baby ewe, and that the Ew. yeah, yeah, and then that the rich man has a bunch of cattle, a bunch of sheep, all this, all this resources, 
And instead of, you know, taking from his own flock, he takes the one from the poor person and uh, kills it and then offers it as his own sacrifice, like his own offering to this traveler, not this other person. So like he, not only does he, does he take from the poor, but he then uses it as his own, like uh, that he did it. And that it was like his sacrifice when it, when it wasn't. And I do just want to point out, I don't know, I didn't say it really in my message. I didn't talk about it much is this is a, this does play rich versus poor, but that's not all what it's saying. Here. Right. That is just the element in which they used because they would have understood it back then. And it, and it relates well to David, but this could be anything like right. you could, you could plug anything in here and be a part of this story. So if you're like, well, I don't have any money, so I'm good. Nope. That's not how this right. works. Like it is showing any time that you, you abuse someone else or any time that you take advantage of or mislead or lie. Like there are so many things that would also fit this right. scenario than just rich and poor. That just best relates to what David then does where he takes from uh, someone in his command, uh, Uriah the Hittite and takes his wife when he has wives, he has rich riches, he has right. all this stuff. And so it does mirror that story very well. Calling him a rich man speaks more of when Nathan is saying that God had given you everything you asked for. And if you had asked for more, if it had still been too little, I would have given you more. It was more of talking about the provision of what God had already given David than it was the actual physical material richness of money. Um. But then, so then David's like, that guy's the worst. Like, boo that guy in the story. He gets mad. He gets angry. And says he owes not only restitution, like you have to pay back four times, but also that that person, he says deserves death. And I know when we, we hear that, it sounds like because he's a king, he's sentencing him to death. But that's not actually, that's not really the feel that it's giving. It's more of like, when you say, oh, that person's just the worst, they should die. Like, it's more of like, that's more of the tone it's actually given, but it actually plays really well. Like it is, a, I mean, in, in the end, he is giving a sentence of his actions. Like, no, you do need to pay back. And you had no pity over him. You had no mercy on him. And that characteristics deserves death. And so it does actually play well into whenever the reveal is made that, no, that man is you. It does hit hard because it was his own action. It, was his own it wasn't God saying, you know, yeah. that you deserve death. It was David saying, this is I, this is what he believes should happen. And here's the thing about David. If he's, you said it earlier, it's like, I think he really did know God's heart and he knew what he was doing was wrong. And he's running from that, trying to hide everything because he knew what he was doing was wrong. You know, out of God's heart for, or David's heart for God in his righteous mind, he was thinking, this is wrong. He knew it was wrong, but he was not self-aware enough, not humble, humble enough yeah. to recognize that. That's exactly, to, to, to recognize that. Even though his heart knew, he it wasn't getting that 18 inches. And you said something kind of cool about like what Nathan had said. Who, like, me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was just kind of like a... <laughs> It's a, I just think of like if it was a movie and these two people are going at it after back and forth, like, here's the story. Wow, that's awful. This guy needs to pay. This guy needs to die, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just a mic drop moment of, that's you. <laughs> silence. Dead silence of, oh, oh, no. Yeah. You know, that realization of like, you're right. Because there wasn't, I don't know that there was a lot of self- 
what was it, self-realization or self, like awareness. 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 I that's famous. On the movie front, if uh, if it were a movie, like I think <laughs> the point you brought up, uh, Jennifer, would play out really well here. Of like, you don't realize that what you did to Uriah, Saul was doing to you. you mm-hmm. Like you literally just basically. That's must be your idea of a king, or that must be your idea of what kinghood looks like, because that's what you learned, that's what you experienced, and so now you're doing it to other people. Like it's such a weird, it's such a weird parallel. Like their stories inter- intertwine so well, because as they or as Saul is falling, literally, uh, David the rise is rising, David. and then it, eventually and then his falls as well. And I it's think so it just crazy. speaks to like the human experience too, where it's like we see other people's sin struggles and we see the lies that they believe, but for whatever reason, until we experience them on our own, like, you know how it's always like, I wish they could learn from my lesson. They're probably not going to (laughs) like, there's nothing about experiencing that firsthand and walking through that with the Lord that allows you to really have the transformation that I think God wants you to bring. And so, yeah. Do I wish my kids would learn from the mistakes I've made? I do. I expect that they'll make their own same mistakes and that those will be the ones that, you know, that thankfully now I have, I do have some influence or some uh, experience and that particular thing that I can use to draw them to God. But. And we do see, you know, this parallel of Saul and David, but we, we see, we get to see in the text that you chose where he diverges, where he, he does something very different than what Saul did, where Saul was, really overwhelmed by his own pride and his people pleasing. And we talked about that in previous messages, you know, that fear of man versus fear of God. What is, how does David respond when he's like, uh, that's you. Yeah. And so he could have responded with anger. He, he had every right as King to basically have that prophet thrown off the wall of the mm. city. Like, Which is probably a running yeah, theme, honestly, like, for prophets. Well, yeah, and like, also, like, to think about that from Nathan's perspective of, like, the courage and the boldness and the confidence in God to go, I know this is from the Lord. I have vetted this out. I, like... The, I could die here. I, I I, other prophets are dying. Well, it's it, that's why I, I called it. That's why I called it a mic drama because it's, it's like it's so matter of fact. The <laughs> man is he, you. Do you think he said it and then ran off? It's you. I went up. See, that's the background we don't actually get is because you know Nathan's only talked about one time before this, sure. and like it almost some some scholars even debate this. It almost feels like this parallel, this para, parable and story is just inserted in here, like as a, like to teach you even further. Like it's almost like a you're supposed to dive deeper into the, the oh. message being here. But like, we don't know, did Nathan have one-on-one conversations with David or was it just like, God's like, go talk to him. You're up. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't know how close, like Poor the David. assumption is, is that, yeah, he had, that David had access. There to was Nathan, a relationship. And that there was some before. relationship there, but we don't actually know that. And if it's not, then it's like, yeah, Nathan should be terrified because yeah. he could be thrown off the wall. Like that's literally what could have happened. And to David's credit too, and to you know, to Nathan's too, or David also worked with Samuel. So I think there is something too again again about your own experience of like, okay, I know that this has been trustworthy in the past. This has led me to a place of repentance or a place of protection or a place of, of favor or whatever. Part of me obeying the Lord is hearing what this man has to say. And I think David, it doesn't necessarily say those words, but I think David wants to find a way back to 
oneness with God. Like mm-hmm. I think he, yeah. like, I think he does understand his his fault here, and I think he does. And when he, when it is finally realized to him in the blunt way through the parable, he he does say, "I have sinned." Like that's, I yeah. mean, it's just straight. It's just blunt. It's just straight out Does there. Does he sugarcoat it? Nope. I have sinned, and, and not even sinned. I've sinned against you, God. Like it was yes. like it's not just I sinned, but like I sinned against you. And I think that's that's such a cool response because that that shows like that's the repentance we all need to have but it's not always the easiest to come by because you know I do think repentance leads to hope like I really do but that doesn't mean it's always the easiest path a lot sometimes repentance is challenging it's very especially when you have to admit you're wrong or conquer conquer your pride or like you know dive deep into your you know your struggle of power like there's so many things that David had to do here that that would have been hard I mean, you said it when um, he was talking about he had every authority to do what he did to Bathsheba. He he was king, but I've sinned against you, Lord. So, like, even though by law, sure, you have authority to have free reign over these people. You can rape, kill, murder, pillage all you want because you're king. And we warned you that kings were going to do things like this. (laughs) Yeah. And David's heart was more for God and to say, no, I've sinned against you. I wasn't a good king. I did exactly what you warned us we were going to do. And I said this in the sermon read through, but I, there is a C.S. Lewis quote from Mere Christianity yeah. that's like the most progressive person is the person who, when they realize they're on the wrong path, turns around the quickest. And that's, I feel like. I feel like that's what we see David do here, yeah. right? I mean, it, it took Nathan to actually say it's you, but immediately once he was confronted with that knowledge yeah it is me and turns around and repents directly to God and I think I think sometimes we are hard on ourselves but like that if you are living that lifestyle like if you're the quickest to repent if you're the quickest to turn around and recognize your own sin that is really a healthy way to live and just really I think a glorifying way to live yeah I agree. And then I think God's response now, so I think that's probably where you're going. That is good job. Is yeah. the it's it's cool, but also like it's very real. Like because God's response was not just like yes, He said your sins are forgiven, which is awesome. Like I think we all need to to appreciate to the type that. of God that we have that that with His grace and that and mercy that He does forgive us, and that you know even though you know David said that death was necessary that. God's like, you're not going to die. Yeah, God I'm, saved him. That's I'm the savior. I'm going to save you. Your sins are forgiven. But also, your sins have consequences. consequences. And there is going yeah. to be a, a lot of consequences of the thing you decided to do. And I'm like, I'm not taking that away. Like, God didn't say, I'm freeing you from those consequences. He said, no, I'm freeing you from your sin. Yeah. And you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And that's the cool yeah. part about God is that it's not... Just because you say, like, just because you ask forgiveness and you receive it does not mean that consequences won't still happen. Like, there's still yeah. a ripple effect. That's how I like to view sin is, like, through a ripple effect. And I've used this analogy before, but, like, if I if I curse at Jennifer, it's going to hurt probably her, maybe the her husband, but not much else beyond that. But if I've murdered her, that's going to affect the staff. That's going to affect the church. That's going to affect the community, her family. The ripple effect mm-hmm. is now... It's Your insane. family, my family, because right. I'm going to jail. Like right. there are, there are so many things that that now that sin has to be that that's going to cause a ripple effect. 
Now I can still ask God forgiveness and, 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 and he will, forgiven. and I'll be forgiven, but that will not take away the, the trust I broke, the, the lives I took. Like, I'm not going to do that. I always see this as a, as a homicide threat. Okay. I, always, I always call it like fallout, like nuclear fallout. Like you can drop sure. the bomb and make a like treaty half agreement. <laughs> right. You, right. Yeah. Where it's like you drop the bomb and you know, like the war is over, treaty agreement. But the fallout stands. The fallout's still there. And eventually we get past that, you know, we can break those strongholds and things that happen just because it's a fallen, broken world. Yep. And I think, too, like, I know we, we didn't really talk about this a ton, but, you know, praise God that Nathan, expo- that God had David's sin exposed. Because that's the thing, too, is that, David really could have kept that secret for a long time. And that sin could have, would, could have, and would have eaten away at him for a long time. And I think sometimes like we're placed in a a position of embarrassment or shame with other people, but it's also like, praise God that he loves you that much that he would expose it so that you can't keep it a secret so that you can't keep like hiding behind it or covering it or lying about it and stepping into more sin, which is what basically happened for a season for David. Praise God that it comes to the light so that now we can deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you a question now and you two can both answer it. Cause it, I think you guys brought it up in the actual, uh, when we did the read through, um, what would, what would have God's response? Like when they, when God said, I, I, I would have given you so much more. What if, what if David would have asked for Bathsheba? Oh, like yeah. what if he actually would have asked that? What do you think God's response would be? Because, uh, you know, we, we get very close to like this idea of prosperity where, you know, oh, as long as I follow God, life's going to be great. I'm going to get whatever I want, which that's not what's happening here. So how do you guys see that? Because I think that's so yeah. important. And I, I just don't want to overlook that. Yeah. I know we're going to wrap up soon, but I think that's so important to, to talk about. I'm really glad you brought that up. I don't think that personally, I don't think I'm not God. I don't think that God would have given David, Bathsheba, I think that often we can see the parallel in our own lives when we want something so badly and we we cry out to God for it. And then, you know, a year or two later after hearing no, you realize you look like there's a really good worship song, actually, Bethany Bernard, I think I'm saying mm-hmm. Bernard, Bethany Bernard, she writes um, worship music that's laments and they're really beautiful and she was at the if gathering one of them is you know and it's like you know this isn't what i would have chosen and in the end i'm going to look back and be grateful that this where you brought me where it's like i think david has that proverbial god-shaped hole and you're looking for whether it be the lust of the affirmation of you know you're getting it mixed up. It's not love, it's lust. You know, you're you're looking for um, that power, that control, that pride. God's going to fill that with himself. He's going to fill that need that you think you have for people pleasing, for lust, for control, for power. And he's going to fill that with his glory, his power, his satisfaction. his satisfaction. In our weakness, he is made strong. And I think that's the more that is being referenced. And I think let's just, let's just assume that God would have given David Bathsheba. It would have been without sin. Right. So let's just say that for whatever reason, David couldn't drop it. That was, you know, that, 
he was being satisfied by God alone, that the pride had been taken care of, that the control had been taken care of, that all those heart issues would have been handled and got, and Dave, and it wasn't lust. It had moved to love. Like, let's just say that it was all true. I think it would have happened in a sinless way. Right. Kind of like Ruth and uh, Boaz, where it's like her husband died, like, and she was able to have a beautiful, godly relationship with Boaz that ultimately led to the Messiah being born. Yeah. You know, or I should also be careful to say that I think it could have also come through other people's sin, but not necessarily David's. Like it would have been a righteous and God. He would have been faultless or blameless. Yes. I I think you know, whatever the outcome was, I think it would have been better than David could have expected. Could have even asked for it. You know, I think it would have, maybe maybe initially it wouldn't have been satisfying to, to him. It would have been like, oh, okay, this is not happening the way I saw this. But in the end, I think it would have been, you know, because it, it, there's so many passages in scripture about, you know, asking God, for the things that we need or we, you know, and, and God giving blessings to, well, everybody, but, you know, specifically the people who are calling on his name. And it's like, I, I believe that he does that. I believe that he does bless us, but how and when and what does it look like? What shapes does it take? I think it's very different. And I think you can look back and, and go, yeah, I was blessed and I just didn't even I think no Psalm 42 as well, where da- I think David does understand this concept of, no, I am satisfied in you. Like my soul, why are you so disturbed within me? Why do I want these things? Why do I have these cravings? But no, I am satisfied yeah. in you. And I think, I just think this is also a beautiful story. And I didn't realize this um, until summer and read through, but Derek, you kind of had mentioned that like, from what we see in scripture, it looks like Bathsheba and David went on to have a good marriage. And that, you know, potentially there was love involved. And so I, I think we can't still, we still see God's redemption and we can't negate that even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our bad choices, God still works evil out for our good and for his glory. And I think we see that in the story of David and Bathsheba. And isn't that just the new hope that you were yeah, talking absolutely. about of repentance of like, now we're finally bringing it back full circle and we're ending it up here. And Derek, you go through these three parts of sin and repentance where it's the power of it, you know, and you talk about how David used his power to sin instead of relying on God's power to satisfy him. And then there's the judgment where he is judged by God. And then not only that, but he judges himself. And then we finally get to that end of like confession and repentance. And like, this isn't the sad, bittersweet ending of like your favorite rom-com where it's like, oh, what a sad ending. David's the worst. No, it's like (laughs) David gets to be a man after God's heart. This is a new hope. They get a beautiful marriage. They, you know, we get to see the end of the story with the cross, you know, ultimately the, the point of it. And it's just... I really loved how you talked about it of how beautiful repentance really is. Yeah, and I will say, so I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like their marriage was perfect, but like when, <laughs> when, the, when their when their kid wow, died, like no. it does say, like he went and consoled Bathsheba, like went and consoled with her, and so that gave me the impression of like you know a, a good husband going and taking care of his wife. But he cared for her. So there, yeah. So ways. that I, yeah. I guess that's what that was my implication. But yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, 
but with the caveat that his reign still came to an end. Like it still right. was the There's downfall of his kingdom. He wasn't able to build the temple like himself. Like his family was still messed up with fighting and conflict. And you know, his sons tried to run him out of, out of power. Like there was a lot of conflict that came from this. And so yes, reliance on God is great, but the, the ripple effect of that sin is still present. And so, and that's the dual nature of, of there's not a perfect world. There's not a, a like all terrible world. There's a, a blending in between. So. And when you make that invitation at the end of your message for baptism, you know, if there was something that I think somebody could take away of like, by the way, take these, take these steps of trusting God. You said it really well in the sermon read through, Jennifer, trusting God, Jesus as your savior today and taking steps of obedience and baptism next week. Yeah. But that doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect. In fact, it might even get harder. It's hard. <laughs> Repentance is hard, but that's that's not where we put our hope right. is not in this world. That's right. right. Yeah. It's probably the salvation. A, yeah, it's probably a safe bet to assume that it's probably gonna get a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I think all four of us here at this table can attest to that. Yeah. And it it's Yet it's also opportunities to see God's goodness Amen. and goodness right. even more. But I'll, I'll take hope over despairing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any day. So. Amen. Mm-hmm. I think with that beautiful message to take hope over despair any day, we're going to close out. So it's been another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown. If you liked it, if you got something out of this, if you have questions, comments, concerns, if you want to just harass Derek, um, go ahead and leave a like or a follow, leave a comment, follow us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you follow uh, podcasts, um, share it with your friends. We really do appreciate that. It really does help us with our statistics and knowing what um, is working, not working, how we can grow. Um, so my name's Kate. I'm Jennifer. My name's Derek. And those emails should be put to kateh at <laughs> And I'm John. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown.